Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm Doris Hanson, your host, and we talk about the Mormon polygamy that Joseph Smith introduced into Mormon doctrine and Mormon culture. And on today's show, we're going to be discussing some great resources that are available to you to research for yourselves uh, the topics that we discuss so frequently on our program. But first, if you or anyone that you know is in a polygamy group and would like to escape and would like help getting out, you can give a Shield and Refuge ministry a call. You can go on their website, shieldandrefuge.org, or you can call their toll-free number, which is 877-425-9993, and all information will be held in strict confidence. Also, if you would like to make comments about any of our shows, or if you'd like to be a guest or know someone who would like to be a guest, you can give us a call or email us. The email address is email at whatloveisthis.tv, and the phone is 385 240 2888. Today's guest on our show is always a welcome here. He's been our guest many, many times. And we always learn a lot when he comes, and we hope our viewers do as well. And we are totally blessed. He is the founder and the director of Mormonism Research Ministry, the author and co-author of several publications. He travels to various venues um, presenting the differences between published Mormon doctrine with early Mormon beliefs, which are often contradictory, and he compares them also with the biblical teachings on each topic. He has a daily radio program on AMA. 20 radio called Viewpoint on Mormonism. He has a website loaded with great information, past radio programs, along with resources for those who are interested in knowing more about this culture. I would like to introduce and welcome back our guest, Bill McKeever. Thank you, Doris. Good to be here. Well, it's so always good to have you here. And we're going to discuss on this particular show the resources that you offer and talk a little bit about them and, and why in the world should any of our viewers look into what it is that you offer on your website. So let's start with your website. Um, your website is, where can they find it? And what can it's they expect when easy. they get there? It's a three-letter URL. It's mrm.org. For Mormonism Research Ministry. In fact, if they type in mormonismresearchministry.org, it'll get there as well. And it's Mormonism, so, not Mormon. Mormonism, research. yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. that's kind of a tricky one. But anyway, that's <laughs> yeah. right. But uh, we've been on the web since the mid-90s. Um, I remember many years ago, Eric Johnson, who's my co-author, my co-host, good friend, uh, came to me and said, we need to get a website. And of course, back then I was going, what is that? I, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not technical. So he explained all this. And so a friend of ours put us on the web almost immediately. So we got our own URL. Mm -hmm. That's why it's only three letters. You can't get a three letter yeah. URL any longer. <laughs> and so we've been putting a lot of our articles on the web. And that, that changed ministry. The, the mm -hmm. web changed mm -hmm. ministry. Uh, things are so much different now than they were when we began back in 1979, wow. before they even really, anybody was even using computers. You know? yeah. so, uh, so 
a lot of our old newsletter articles found their way on the web. So we have a lot of information covering a, a number of different topics that will help people. Mm -hmm. And we just redesigned the website just recently. Uh, hopefully it's a lot easier to use, although I thought it was always pretty easy anyway. Well, it was. But, and, yeah. and, you know, you get familiar with it, and then you get on something, you know, why did they change that? I, I know, I know. <laughs> but but we, it, now but we utilize good. the drop-down windows and everything. And so yeah, uh, we, we've good. had positive and some complaints, but that's okay. No, you know, it is. It certainly is. And, and your radio program now, you've got a, a radio, a weekly radio program, uh, and they can also access that on your website, right? They can. Uh, the, the, the radio show, we, Eric and I hosted a, very, a show in San Diego when we both lived there years ago called Viewpoint on Mormonism. The format was different. It was a one-hour call-in talk show. Mm. It was a Saturday thing. It was mm -hmm. once a week, and it, it was pretty popular. Uh, we, we'd get Mormons listening to it, and they would call in occasionally, and I, I loved it when they would call in yeah. so, and just have a good conversation with them on air. We wanted to do something on air in this area, naturally, because of the culture in which sure. we live. And so, but we didn't want to do an hour-long show, and we didn't want to call in. We wanted to be able to do something that was a little more compact. So we went with what they call the 14-minute pre-recorded show. So Eric will come over and uh, we'll record them in my office. That's the studio. Mm -hmm. it's, and uh, so we'll do sometimes five shows in a day mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll knock out a whole week. Sometimes we've done more, sometimes less, depending on how much prep time you have to do. Right. Because uh, we do a lot of research to get ready for this. Uh -huh. and, uh, and a lot of people may think that we're just spouting these quotations off the top of our head. We're, we're really not. Some of them I've memorized naturally, but a lot of it we get from, mm -hmm. from the book that I put together called In Their Own Words. But we've been on for about four years, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, we do have Mormons listening to it. I can tell by the email that yeah, some of yeah, them aren't yeah. too happy mm -hmm. with what they're hearing, but that's okay. Um, that's great. Uh, one of the worst things that you can have is somebody uh, showing how you maybe misused a quote, and we don't get that. Uh, we really don't get a lot of that at all. And uh, and we try very hard to use the information properly, make sure it's in its proper context. We want to understand what these statements mean to Latter-day Saints as yes. they've been defined by the leadership by of the them. church. Well, yeah. I don't want to put an independent meaning into a quotation. That certainly wouldn't be fair to the Mormon that I'm trying to reach, and it certainly wouldn't lend to any of our credibility, mm -hmm. that's for sure. So mm -hmm. we try very hard to be as accurate as possible when we're citing LDS sources. Does that get difficult when they change, when they make changes in some of their meanings or um, the Not necessarily, because when that happens, uh, we try to explain that to, to people. That we, we want to help the body of Christ. And this has been one of our goals ever since I began this ministry back in 1979. We want to be able to help the body of Christ to effectively communicate with their LDS friends. And that means going along with the changes and recognizing where the Mormon church is, making course corrections mm -hmm, and such, mm -hmm. and how important those are, of course, depends on the issue. Sure. But certainly we want to help uh, the body of Christ be up on everything and that's going on. For it, yeah. And so okay. we try very hard to do that. You've got a couple of other publications that are prominent on your website, um, Answering Mormon's Questions and Mormonism 101. Both of them, I think, co-authored by, co by Eric Johnson. Yes. What is the, you had different audiences for those books? What are the difference between the two? One's for Mormons, one's for non-Mormons? Uh, well, what? you could say one might be a sequel for the other. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, but here's how it worked out. Answering Mormon's questions, I wrote 
originally back in 1981, I think. I, I typed it on my kitchen table. And really, oh, I had a typewriter. Yeah, I can't I believe, believe that. that. <laughs> and uh, I'd never do that again. And so that book was really the product of questions that I had been getting from Mormons that I was personally talking uh -huh. to. And naturally, when you do this for several years, you start to see a pattern develop and you start realizing that a lot of the questions that Mormons are asking us are the same questions over and over again. Uh -huh. So what I did was I took a lot of these questions, there were over 30 of them, and I, each chapter was a question, mm -hmm. and then the body of the chapter was a response to the question. It wasn't meant to be a real long, in-depth, drawn-out, scholarly type of work. I so don't think like I could the, do that anyway. The biblical response to yes. the question, is that? Yes, yeah. just to, to give the Latter-day Saint a, a quick response to how we may see them misusing a particular Bible verse or a question that might be really a logical fallacy. Mm. And so that's, that's what I did originally. That book was picked up by Bethany House Publishers, I think in 1991. And then we uh, decided, we had asked if we could rewrite this completely after several years. And so Eric helped me in this area. Mm -hmm. And so we worked together on putting together the new edition, which is uh, published by Kriegel now. Oh. And uh, it's, it's basically the same kind of format, but of course a lot of things have happened since 1981 when mm -hmm. the original was published. And so we make sure that it's very updated. So this one's to, back to 2013 is the copyright date, I believe, on it. And so there's a lot of the, the newer arguments that we're hearing. And so yeah. what we've done with that is Eric and I wrote a book called Questions to Ask Your Mormon Friend. That came out in 1994. Uh, Bethany House didn't want to redo that one, and that was fine with us because what we did with Answering Mormon's Questions is we kind of incorporated some of our Questions to Ask Your Mormon Friends into Answering Mormon's Questions. So what you do is each chapter not only is a question that a Mormon will ask you, but at the head of every chapter, we have some clarifying questions that you can ask them to uh -huh. make sure that you understand clearly where the Latter-day Saint is coming from mm -hmm. and perhaps why they're asking this type of Good a question. So great. when they ask you a question, you want to ask some questions back just to make sure you understand each other. And then you get into the bulk of the chapter yeah. and it responds basically to the question that they've asked. And what about the Mormonism 101? What, what's the difference between 101 that 101 is an overview comparing the teachings of the LDS Church and comparing them with what Christians have believed historically and from an evangelical perspective, of mm -hmm. course. And, and so you can get an idea of what the Mormons have taught on a given topic and it's broken down kind of like a mini systematic theology, you know, mm -hmm. God, man, things mm -hmm. like that. And so we deal with those kind of issues. And one thing that I think helps in that is, and I remember hearing an ex-Mormon tell me this, he says one thing that helped him coming out of the Mormon church was that not only did he read what he was supposed to believe as a Latter-day Saint, but he, for the first time, really was able to see what we as Christians believe mm -hmm. on these issues. Good. And that really helped him. He said, once I saw, this is what he told me, he says, once I saw the Christian position, I could see why so many professing Christians had problems with Mormonism. Uh -huh. He even saw that there was Wonderful. a vast difference between the two. And yeah, so that's, that's where I think that book great. would be a help too. Okay. 
Okay, good. So, um, and and then your website also says you have an electronics books library, which is something that's uh, you know. A, a, well, we, do we, all your books go on um, electronic format? Well, you know, Amazon's kind of taken a lot of books and turned them into Kindles and things. Yeah. And so, uh, one hundred and one, I think, is in Kindle. And I'm not sure if answering Mormon's question is. I'm, I'm not sure about that. But with in their own words, uh, which is just a quotation book, topical quotation book. Mm-hmm. That we have an electronic edition. It's a PDF version. Mm-hmm. Now we self-published in their own words because I did not know how I could sell the idea to a publisher. Why yeah. would a Christian publisher want to market a book that's just quotations from yeah. Mormons? That <laughs> so, I, I understand that. I, yes, I, I get that. I know sure. publishing is all about making money. I understand it's a business. I have no problem with that. But we wanted to do this at least on our own because we know that there are a lot of Christians out there who want to know what. Mormons have said on a given topic. It is the so. best resource, I'm telling you. And we're going to spend the rest of the show talking about that particular book. But first of all, our show's focus is Mormon polygamy, you know, Mormon mm-hmm. fundamentalists, then and now. What do, Does your organization speak to people from polygamy groups that would like to maybe That's not our primary focus, uh, but definitely if that comes up, we can pretty handle it. There's a lot of information in there about it. And there is in this book, which is what we're going to talk about next in their Mm -hmm. own words. Mm -hmm. This is the expanded uh, version that you have. But this one I got, what, five years ago when you first published it, something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's probably the, the... greatest single resource that well, I good. use for my research help. in, in yeah. what I do here, right. you know, on the show. Um, and in that book, there there are a lot of things that polygamists would enjoy besides the regular Mormons or even Christians on yeah. how to understand Mormonism better. Because you talk about polygamy, you talk about becoming God, you right. talk about, um, uh, or you quote, I should say, mm-hmm. about all those things. So let's let's focus the rest of the show on this book. In their own words, it's a great resource. It it is um, a compilation of quotes from all strict Mormon sources, right? Right, and it's a little broader than what we would probably use, let's say, in an answering Mormon's questions or a Mormonism 101. And there's a reason for that. Most of the quotations in their own word, in in their own words, are from LDS leaders. Okay, mm-hmm. we break it down according to scripture, and then we go through the, the prophets of the church. Now, not every prophet in the Mormon Church or president in the Mormon Church had something profound to say on every given topic that we cover in the book. Right. So you're not going to find a, a complete listing of every every leader of the church under every topic. But then we break it down after the presidents, and we break it down to the first presidency, mm-hmm. and then the Quorum of the Twelve, and then the Seventies. And then we get down to church manuals, which yeah. are very important. Yes. And we like to cite a lot of church manuals on our radio show and in our, our books and such. And then it gets down to other sources. Now, other sources would not be something that most Mormons would consider authoritative. Uh, some maybe more than others, because in there we'll find quotations from the Ensign Magazine. And of course, if it's in the Ensign Magazine, the Ensign Magazine is on LDS.org. Mormons are told that if it's on an official website of the church, then that becomes official teaching. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. go figure. Yeah. So anyway, and then we also have maybe some statements from BYU professors. Yeah. Uh, now, certainly BYU professors do not carry the same type of weight as any type of general authority in the church, but... They do certainly carry a lot of weight with students. And sometimes BYU professors will say things 
that are contradictory to what the leadership has said. Sometimes they will be in agreement. Mm -hmm. But one thing about this book is when you look at all the statements and see them all in a group, yeah. you readily see either a general agreement as to what Mormons do believe on this topic, or at the same time, you can see that they don't always agree. And exactly. it just helps seeing them all together exactly. like that. It does. And, and so that, does. I think, helps the reader understand that maybe even in Mormonism, this is controversial. And it also um, shows a lot of what they believed in the beginning of the Mormon church yes. when they was first being, being formed and, uh, and, and compared to what they believe now, which there's some huge changes in Definitely. some of them. Now, this must have been a massive undertaking. I, I, there are, I counted 253 different topics wow. in this book that you collected okay. quotes for. 253 yeah. in this first book. Now, I haven't been able to find that. I think but, there's a f but, few more in here, just a few. How did you decide which topics to find quotes for? And it okay. must have been a massive job to, well, to, to collect there, them. There's a story behind okay. that. Uh, in our newsletter, Mormonism Researched, which we put out every other month, to people who want it, uh, we have a column called, uh, Did They Really Say That? Mm -hmm. And so for years, I had been putting just quotations in that column. And naturally, as the years went by, that file that I had with all these quotations was getting larger and larger and larger. And here I'm noticing, I've got all these quotations and I've used them in the newsletter. It's a shame to not be able to use these on a more regular type of basis. So I got this idea <laughs> of putting them in a book in a topical format, and, and that's really how it began. So a lot of the original quotations that I had at the beginning uh -huh. were quotations that were in our newsletter. Now, naturally, there were a lot of topics that I felt could have been filled in a little bit better. So that was where I was doing a lot of my own research. And so to make sure that their addresses are correct, I spent several, several weeks down at the church archives and library mm. when it, and, uh, oh my when it was in the job. first floor of the church administration building. Now it's been moved across the street. But uh, I and, and a friend of mine, we went down there and spent one day a week for several weeks just verifying all the quotations, making sure that we had the correct addresses. And this is why, because many times we notice that even the Mormon church has the wrong address on ah. some of their quotations. And it can also be very confusing when you read a lot of the references that the Mormon Church gives for citations out of the Ensign magazine. Uh -huh. Usually they will cite the page where the article starts. They won't cite the page where the quote is actually found. Oh, That frustrates wow. me that as a researcher because be, yes. I want to go right to the page. I don't mm -hmm. want to look through several pages to find a quotation. So I think we actually do a better job giving you the actual page where the quotation came and, and you verified that the quote was correct word for word and that the address the location correct. of the quotation was yeah. actually correct too so um, did you did add topics then to this new book and there, I believe there's a few new topics in the newer book. Is it more for contemporary issues, or did you just come up with some I juicy quotes that you really don't resist? know? Probably a little of both. <laughs> yeah, there's always juicy quotes. <laughs> well, I picked a few examples from the book, um, this book, not this one, that I thought maybe our viewers, whether they're Mormon or polygamous viewers, maybe not be aware of, of the quotes themselves. And so I thought maybe we could 
uh, put them up on the screen and okay. quote them, and then maybe make say a word or two about them. So we'll start with page three of the current book under the uh, topic Adam and Eve, mm -hmm. and the quote is. When Adam was placed on this earth, all his former knowledge was taken away. Yet the Lord has made known to us that Adam lived before and had experiences Michael, as Michael, the great prince, who has chosen to stand at the head of the human family on this earth as the Ancient of Days. This is by, or was said by Joseph Fielding Smith, who would have doctrinal power, I would imagine. He was the 10th president of the church, yes. Now he is combining here Adam mm -hmm. and Michael the Archangel and the Ancient of Days into one person, right? Yeah, well he actually gets the, the Adam and the Ancient of Days idea from Joseph Smith, because that can be found in the Doctrine mm -hmm. and Covenants. And mm -hmm. I, I always have to chuckle whenever I I speak at a Christian church, and uh, this, this just happened. We were Eric and I were in Arizona, and there was a song that they were singing that had the phrase, the Ancient of Days in it. And I can't help but think that whenever we are singing a song like that, if a Mormon happened to be visiting that day, oh. they would think we were singing songs to Adam. Oh my. Which of course we're oh, not. We're ancient right. of Days is certainly uh, a, a phrase that's taken from the book of Daniel that mm -hmm. is referring to God. Right. Maybe right. that's where Brigham Young got his Adam God teaching. Maybe he understood that, but taking the teaching that Joseph Smith gave, maybe he combined the two, and he comes up with the Adam-God doctrine that he first introduced in 1852. So Joseph Fielding Smith, though, is putting Adam and Michael, and the and, and I can right. see how it would morph into one. But I thought as I read that, and they deny the Trinity. They have they yeah. they they put these three together as one person, and they yeah. can't they can't grasp that God is three people in one. Okay, the next one on Adam God is on page five. Uh, it's about Adam God from Brigham Young, where he said, "How much unbelief exists in the minds of the Latter Day Saints in regard to one particular doctrine, which has revealed to them which God revealed to me, right? Namely, that Adam." Is our Father and God? I believe that quote was 1874. Is that correct? 1873. Three. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm off by a year. Brigham Young. What's interesting about that is Young calls it a doctrine. Mm -hmm. We know that many times when the Adam God doctrine gets brought up in a conversation, not that I go looking to do that. I, I know it's a controversial subject, and a lot of Mormons simply dismiss the whole thing. But they, the more, a lot of Mormon apologists have tried this angle now to where it was not a doctrine, they'll say. It was a theory. Mm. It was Brigham mm -hmm. Young's theory. They call it the Adam-God theory. And I think even Joseph Fielding Smith referred to it. No, Spencer Kimball, I believe it was, referred to it as a theory. Brigham Young never referred to it as a theory. He says God revealed it to him. He said doctrine. Him. And God revealed it to him. You can't get mm. much clearer than that. No. So if a, a Mormon doesn't like that, well, that's their problem because... Young introduces this doctrine in a general conference message. And if the Mormons are going to be consistent, Dieter F. Uchtdorf just a few years ago said that when you go to general conference, you're hearing the voice of God speak through it. his servants. So is, if that's the way it's always been, we would have to assume that's the way it was when Brigham Young taught that Adam was God, because yeah, that was a conference message. You would have message. to. You'd certainly have to. And of course, the Deseret News prints it. And do they retract statements? I don't know. All right. Now on page 21, under atonement, it says... Quote, somehow through his sinless life, his genetic nature as the only begotten of the Father and his willingness to drink the bitter cup of justice, the Lord Jesus Christ was able to atone unconditionally for the original sin of Adam and Eve and for the physical death and to atone conditionally for the personal sins of all mankind. 
Now, I right. find that very interesting that there's a conditional, unconditional um, yes. uh, statement here. The Mormon Church takes the atonement and it gives it really two purposes. Not only does it enable all of mankind to be resurrected from the dead, right. which Bruce McConkie, Mormon apostle, died in April 1985, he called that salvation by grace. Mm -hmm. Okay, to be mm -hmm. resurrected from the dead is salvation by grace. But if you hope, if you are hoping to get the forgiveness of sins and eternal life or exaltation, that's conditional. That's the condition. Everyone's going to be resurrected from the dead. Now, here's the problem that I have with this definition, though. If McConkie's going to call this salvation by grace, and Jesus tells us in John 5 that there are two resurrections, one to eternal life and one to eternal damnation. Right. How in the world can you possibly connect salvation by grace with a resurrection to damnation? That makes no sense whatsoever. And that's because they perverted the word. That's here. right. And so, yes, it is absolutely conditional. If you hope to be exalted, you have to repent of all your sins. And in the Mormon vernacular, repentance is the confessing and the forsaking of every sin. Mm -hmm. every it's sin. not the right. same type of repentance that we as Christians have. We certainly have a doctrine of repentance, but our understanding of repentance isn't a 100% success rate. We just don't no, that's because right. we're fallen people. That's right. We can certainly feel heart, heartily sorry for our sins and repentant of our sins, but to make a promise to God that we are never going to repeat that sin again, I think is a bit presumptuous it is. and probably a lie. But yet Mormons do that every week. Mm -hmm. it, they do it every week in church because before they partake of the sacrament, they make a promise that they're going to keep all the commandments, and yet and none, none of them, of them do can. it. None, none of them, them do, do it. it. Absolutely. Well, we, we are, of course, quickly running out of time. We've only got a little over a minute left. So I'm going to pick here um, the Joseph Smith Revised Bible, a couple of quotes, okay. where it says, uh, by J. Reuben Clark, The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has never issued the inspired version of the whole Bible since apparently the prophet Joseph Smith never finally finished his revision. Then the next two quotes come uh, from July 1833. Joseph the prophet finished the translation of the Bible by the church historian Andrew Jensen. Uh -huh. And the next one, the prophet Joseph Smith finished the translation of the Bible uh, as published in the Deseret News. So, uh, did just, he or didn't just he? To, yeah, did he or didn't he? What's uh, <laughs> I, I know that, that becomes very confusing. It's a convenient out for Mormon apologists, and in this case, uh, a member of the First Presidency, uh, Clark, <coughs> to say that he never finished it. <coughs> Because that gives you the impression that, well, because he didn't finish it, we can't use it. Because we don't know what he touched and what he yeah. didn't touch. Mm -hmm. But when you have Joseph Smith himself saying, we this day finished the scriptures. Right. And, and he says it. He and said that's it. volume one, page and 368 of the documentary history of the church. When he says he finished it, mm -hmm. I, I think I'm going to go with what he says. Now, they'll argue, well, Joseph Smith did do some touch-ups later on. And that's how they, I think, is where they're going with trying to make it sound like he never finished it. I don't think that's really fair, but it, it, it's really not, it doesn't even matter because in their version of the Bible, their King James version of the Bible that the church produces, mm -hmm. they use the Joseph Smith alterations mm -hmm. in either a footnote or an endnote. Yeah. So they are using it. Okay. So we are out of time now, Bill. Thanks for, we're going to be doing another show on is, Can Man Become Gods? And we just need to say here that the Bible needs to be understood by people rather than to be criticized and rejected. And when you take the time to do that, you will be blessed. It'll be the most valuable time that you ever spent is finding out what the Bible says and why it says it. Thank you for watching our show. 
This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again. Thank you.